If you have a Bible, open to Luke chapter 2. And if you, uh, if you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, I want to just encourage you to, to get one. I want to encourage you to have that. Um, there, there are great apps on the Bible, on the, on the, excuse me, on the phone. There's great like Bible apps, and they have reading plans and programs, and you can get daily devotionals. And I, like, I have a verse that comes up every morning when I wake up. That's there on my phone. That is really great. But having a, a physical copy of the Bible is just so important. You can bring it and uh, take notes and mark things and highlight things. Uh, And then you can actually read it during the week too. It's great. Um, Like not just on Sunday, you can take it with you almost anywhere uh, and uh, and read it during the week. But but, but, but get a copy of the the scriptures um, and uh, and we're gonna get into that in just a second. Luke chapter chapter two. Uh, I don't know um, if you've got Christmas traditions. How many of you, you already have like lights and decorations up? Like... Like the Thanksgiving corpse is still warm, but you're already, you've completely moved on. How many of you don't even like, you refuse to even listen to Christmas music right now? Is anybody like that? Yeah, okay. Just, I understand that. Uh, I don't know if you have a lot of Christmas traditions at your house. One of the things that we have in our home, uh, my wife is really into puzzles. And so there's a Christmas like puzzle setup that kind of dominates our kitchen table for pretty much the whole month of December. Uh, in fact, she even had this big giant board made uh, that these puzzle pieces all kind of sit on. I, I do not have the makeup for a puzzle. I'm not a puzzle person. I don't have the attention span. It's too frustrating too, especially because in our house, we got little kids. Uh, uh, which means that all the puzzles have missing pieces. And I just can't stand to get to that pinnacle moment of the puzzle being done and that piece is, that piece is gone. Um, and, uh, you know, like I'll even try to find other pieces and just kind of like kind of smash them in there and be like, well, does that work? I mean, I know it's from another puzzle, but maybe that'll work. Um, but I think uh, that picture kind of feels like our world sometimes. Uh, We don't have to work too hard uh, to get to a place where we can look at our world and maybe even our own lives and we could say there's a a missing piece or there's peace missing. And for some of us, we're really frustrated because there's a missing piece. And some of us will try to find something and kind of cram it into that spot. And maybe I can make this fit. Maybe I can just kind of, maybe this will fill up that space. Maybe the piece missing uh, will be filled by this. And so during this Advent season, um, we're wading into a series we're calling Peace on Earth. And it's to look directly at that, that in our lives, there's a missing piece. There's peace that's missing. And we're going to look this morning at, at peace with God, what God has done for us to bring about peace We're going to look next week at the peace of God, so what God does in us and our fears and our anxiety. uh, We're going to look at what God does among us with with peace with each other and how God brings about reconciliation and, and God brings about forgiveness. And then we're finally going to look at peace on earth. What is God up to in the world? Like, What is God's plan? What's he doing? So we're going to start this morning with peace with God. And, um, you know, I... It wasn't hard for us to, to come up with an idea for Advent. We're not the most creative people anyway, um, but it wasn't hard for us to think like, well, what do we feel like we really need, our people need, the world needs right now? And peace was a pretty easy thing for us to identify. In fact, at the close of last service, I just asked people, uh, I said, I'll be up front if anybody would like to pray, if there's a place in your life where you just feel like you're missing peace. 
And I had uh, three people come up and pray. One, uh, an older woman whose husband has just recently passed away. Um, Another woman whose 19-year-old daughter um, is uh, pregnant and not sure what she wants to do with the pregnancy. Um, Another couple who came up and said, at Thanksgiving, we were literally fighting each other. And I was like, okay, I think we really need peace on earth. And so that's what we're going to wade into. And, and that phrase, uh, even, if you're not, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a church person, you've probably heard that phrase before, peace on earth. And it comes from uh, the text where we're going to start in this morning in Luke chapter 2. Let me just read this. It's a fairly long section of scripture, but let me read this to you to kind of set the stage of where we're going to be going this morning. Luke chapter 2 uh, says this, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified." But the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Let me pray quickly and just ask God to help us with this. Father in heaven, we love you. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you for your kindness to us this morning. God, thank you for the gift of being able to gather together. God, the gift of your word, and most importantly, God, the gift of your presence. And so we just pray right now, God, that we would just have uh, an overwhelming awareness of your presence and your power by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you move with just freedom and precision in this moment? God, as we get our hearts and minds around this idea of peace, God, like I've already said, we don't have to work very hard to see how peace is missing in our world and in our own lives. And God, what we're going to see in your word, what we know from your word is that peace is found in you. And so, God, it doesn't depend on me or what I can do. We need you. We need your power. We need the clarity that you can bring. We need to hear from you so that we can do what you say. So, Holy Spirit, I'm praying, God, that you would speak to us now. Just drown out the noise, drown out the distractions. God, speak peace to us and over us. Jesus, I love you. I'm praying this all in your powerful name. Amen. So again, peace feels like a 
relevant topic. It, it feels right now in our world, it might be even more pertinent than, than ever. And there's always kind of like an acute sense to the need for peace in, in this holiday season uh, as well. And the good news is, um, is that peace is available. And it's promised actually 700 years before the angels would speak that, that birth announcement over the shepherds. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9 says this. He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, the word peace there is this Hebrew concept of shalom. His name will be called the Prince of Shalom. And I know that's not a word that we use all the time, but in this culture at this time, in this part of the world, that word shalom is in the very fabric of the society. Uh, so shalom to the prophet Isaiah's mind and to those who would be receiving this promise, it didn't simply mean the absence of war or the absence of conflict. Shalom is a far more robust word than that. In, in its heart, it means flourishing, it's the well-being. So God is saying here through the prophet Isaiah, I'm sending my son to usher in the flourishing that I desire for your world, that God desires for the world, that he desires for our relationships, that he desires for our lives. Jesus is the prince of shalom, the prince of peace, the prince of flourishing. But in this moment, when the angel comes and announces peace on earth, it's, it's kind of like the least peaceful night that this announcement could have been made in. But, because here's the, the context of what's happening here. The, the political climate in Palestine was, was tense. Uh, in this moment, Caesar Augustus is ruling the Roman Empire, and one of the tenets of that empire is Pax Romana, or, the, or the, the peace of Rome. But the peace of Rome was a peace that would be brought through military power or political power, political conquest. And so you've got this quote-unquote promise of peace through an occupying force from a leader who thought he was a deity, uh, and into that, this angel shows up and says, peace on earth, but it's going to come in a way that you would never expect. And the Roman Empire, the peace of Rome, didn't really pan out. We're not still talking about that, but we are still talking about the Prince of Peace, who's still offering that peace and that shalom today. King Herod is there. He's ruling in Judea. He's ruling in this area as an emissary of the Roman Empire, localized at the place of Jesus' birth. So you have this occupying, occupied territory, oppressive regime. Our story has a somewhat kind of scandalous pregnancy along with the hassle of a census that necessitated an unwanted journey. So you have a pregnant woman close to giving birth, riding on a donkey, going to Bethlehem, and when they do get to Bethlehem, all the hotels are booked up, no place for them. So they go to a cave where animals would have been kept, isolated from their family, completely uncertain about their future. Into that night, not a peaceful night by any stretch, into that night, God makes an announcement. And he says, tonight, there's a baby born in Bethlehem who is the savior of the world. So glory to God in the highest heavens 
and peace on earth among mankind on whom his favor rests. And I, I'm really excited about this. I know this is a familiar story to so many of us, but what I'm most excited about is that that announcement is as real today as it was on that day. That peace is still going forth, that peace is still available, that God is still in the business of bringing peace. And so God is saying in the absence of peace, in the absence of peace in your personal life, in the absence of peace in this crazy world, in the absence of peace in your relationships, in your marriages, in your families, God is saying, I am announcing peace. I'm still bringing the possibility of peace to your world. The first thing that you need to understand is that God's plan has always been peace. Shalom is the standard of God, and it's the future reality for those of us who are followers of Jesus. It's the standard of God, and it's the future for those who follow Jesus. A a shalom, heaven is flourishing. It's peaceful. It's everything that God intended. It's the absence of strife and war and suffering and things that are being ripped apart by sin are woven back together ultimately under the rule and reign of Jesus. Shalom. That's our, that's our future. That's what we look forward to. That's where our hope is. But peace has been a major theme of the scriptures. In Proverbs chapter 3, the proverbial writer says this, blessed are those who find wisdom. So when you see that word wisdom, just think God's way. Blessed are those who find God's way, those who gain understanding, for she's more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant. And the path of wisdom, the proverbial writer says, leads to peace. God's way, the pathway of God's way is the pathway of peace. The standard of God is that you would be flourishing, that that you would be, that our city would be, that our nation would be, that the whole earth would experience shalom. That's God's plan. And while shalom is the standard, our reality, unfortunately, is, is tragedy. Because every one of us, every one of us either here in the room or listening online, you've got some story in your life of something that has disintegrated or is disintegrating, of something that feels like it's been kind of ripped apart. There's some of us in the room where it just physically, like in our own bodies, we've had things that have disintegrated or are disintegrating, where they feel like it's just being torn. We have relational realities, where there are certain people in this holiday season we're not going to talk to because it's, that relationship has disintegrated. That relationship's been ripped apart by sin on one side or the other or maybe both sides. We are experiencing a financial disintegration. There's, there, all across in every kind of area of our life, sin has affected and that pull of sin tears things apart. It's a shattering of sin. But the announcement is that our God is a God who puts things back together. And in the garden, peace with God was broken. Shalom with one another was broken. Peace with ourselves was broken, all because of sin, all because of rebellion against the holy God. And, and in fact, the Bible tells us the whole world's groaning. 
Because of the broken shalom of God, Romans 8, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Bondage to decay. It's what I feel like first thing in the morning. I'm trying to get up. It's like, oh, my back being held to bondage to decay. And brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption assumption, the redemption of our bodies. The earth itself groans for the standard of shalom. We long for peace. We long for peace with God. We long for peace with each other. And God's solution is not a plan that you and I have to invent or that you and I have to develop or that you and I have to put together. God's solution to broken peace is a peacemaker, a savior, the prince of peace, the person of Jesus, whose plan is to bring flourishing into the world. And the peace that God brings is not circumstantial, meaning like when finally when everything works out just the way that I want it to be, when every single circumstance is exactly how I prefer it, that's when peace will show up. That's not the peace that God is offering. It's, it's not celestial or ethereal or just out there and, and unattainable or unreachable. Like if, if I could just kind of make connection with some kind of angelic being or like the stars, then maybe I would find peace in the universe. It's not that. It's not found in earthly items. It's not found in like, if I could just get the right person in my life. It's not found in any other person, place, or thing apart from the person of Jesus Christ. Isaiah says, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's found in that son that is given. So what we're saying today and what we're going to really say through this whole series is that what we broke in the garden, God is restoring in the person of Jesus. And he's extending peace to humanity today. In uh, Genesis chapter 8, um, it's the story of after uh, the flood. And if, if you're not familiar with that story, I just want to encourage you to go to the book of Genesis and read the story of um, God flooded the earth because of the wickedness of mankind, but he spared a man named Noah and his family. He spared them in this ark, this kind of floating ship. Um, and after it had rained and after the earth had been flooded, uh, there's a moment where Noah opens the doors and he sends out the dove um, to see what's happening out there. The water's receding. Is, is it, are we ready to be done? Are we ready to get out? Noah sends out the dove, Genesis chapter 8, and the dove returns, as Scripture says, with an olive leaf in his beak. And Noah knew in that moment, okay, well, things are... Things are getting better. Things are starting to go in the right direction. It must mean that the water is starting to recede. And later, he sends that dove out again. The dove never comes back. And Noah's like, okay, things are, are really getting good now. And from that moment, that olive leaf, that olive branch, which is kind of a universal symbol of, of peace, that extension of peace is God saying, you broke faith. You broke peace, and judgment has to come on the sinful choices of the world. But I am a peacemaking God, and I want to make peace with you. I want to restore, 
I want to restore shalom with you. And you can't do that on your own power. So on this night, a baby was born in Bethlehem. Jesus, the peacemaker, is now on planet Earth. And I, wanna, I just want to encourage you during this Advent season uh, to be here and to listen in on what God is doing because this could change your life. This could change the entire trajectory of your life. This could change the entire trajectory of your family. This could change the, the, the entire trajectory of your, of your future. This message of what God is doing to bring peace on earth. But, but to get there, we have to be able to get our eyes on, we have to be able to get our eyes on Jesus. So that's why in all of these sermons, in all these messages, that's who you're going to consistently hear about. And, it, and it's not that you're perfect attendance, or it's not that the sermons are going to change you. It's the presence and the power of God in the person of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that will change your life. God's olive branch, if you will, God's peace offering to you and to me. But we have to see and we have to understand first that Jesus is real and that Jesus is alive. A couple weeks ago, um, I went with some other pastors from Redemption to London, and we were spending some time with some, some pastors and some ministry leaders and some people over there um, who are just doing some really incredible work uh, in their churches and some things I think that are going to be transferable. Really excited to kind of bring some of those things in the future. But one of the reasons why it's so good for us to spend time there with those pastors and those leaders uh, is really what they're experiencing Europe and London in particular is what everybody says is what we will experience in the future. So right now, the U.S., the West, is in what's called, kind of typically called kind of a post-Christian society, meaning that where uh, it used to be very normative for you to call yourself a Christian, very normative uh, to have uh, an experience where I just go to church every Sunday, have some kind of faith affiliation. The U.S. now has the, the largest rising religious affiliation is uh, nuns, not N-U-N-S, N-O-N-E-S, nuns, meaning I have zero religious affiliation. I claim nothing. Um, and where London is, uh, they say post, post-Christian. Uh, so it's kind of one step beyond where we are and where it just kind of seems like uh, the West is, is heading. And it's not that people there are just like indifferent uh, to the church or indifferent to Christianity. They're actually antagonistic. So one pastor said they're actually anti-God. Uh, and this pastor, as he was talking, he said, you know, in London and in this area we're at, there's uh, less than 1% of people uh, attend church or would claim uh, any kind of like religious affiliation or claim Christianity. And he said, people will say to me, oh my gosh, 1%, that's got to be so difficult. That's, you know, why would you ever want to plant in a place where there's only 1% of people who would attend church? And he said, you know, if you, were, uh, if you were in the marketplace, if you were in business, and you could move into an area where there was only 1% saturation, it means that 99% of the people have yet to experience or know anything about what it is that you're bringing. He's like, so we are thrilled that God has 
finds us here in a place where there's 99% of the people who have no idea what we're even offering. He's like, so we get to bring and to show them, one, who Jesus is and what church is all about. And he's like, and I was just like, right on, amen, that's awesome. And, he, and they are just absolutely going for it. Um, and in that soil, God is raising up pastors and raising up leaders and raising up communities that through their vocations and through the arts and through their campuses and through their physical places that they have and all of their lives, they are consistently telling the story of God and his mission of his peace in the world. And for a bunch of people who have no concept of what church is or no real idea of what's even happening, he's like, we get to tell our people everything you do is church. Everything you do is church. So in your work, that's church. Do it excellent unto the Lord. In your arts, that's church. Do it unto the Lord because it's all telling the story of peace on earth in the person of Jesus. And I'm just like, yeah, we have a way of saying that. All of our life is all for Jesus. Everything that we do is a missional parable about the mission of God, the gospel, to bring peace to his people, to bring shalom to the world because Jesus is real and he is alive. And the culture may have moved on from God, but God has not moved on from his people. The culture might have quit. And our culture might increasingly be more and more quitting on God. But God doesn't quit on his people. And the announcement and the message of peace, the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to go forward and continues to go on. And so God is not afraid or threatened by doubt or critique or investigation or even interrogation into who he is. So just like the church in London, bring it all. Bring all of it to Jesus and watch what he can do. Jesus, does, he, he doesn't despise our investigation of who he is. He welcomes it because he knows at the bottom of all your questions, at the bottom of all your doubts, at the bottom of all your fears, when you drill down into it, when you keep going after it, when you keep pursuing, what you're gonna land on, what you're gonna tap into is the God who was and is and will be forever. And he says, bring it. And I don't know about you, but I want to be there when they do bring it, because I want to be there when he brings it. I want to be there when he brings peace. I want to be there in our community. I want to be there in the hard places when peace breaks through. The angels are announcing that this Jesus who is born is Christ the Lord. So you got angel choir, glory of God shining around, the announcement that the world needs to hear the most, glory to God, the highest places, what's available is peace, shalom, returning, people returning to God, shalom with God, shalom with one another, shalom on the planet, and it's all coming in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're here, you're listening you're asking, is peace even possible? Is peace even possible in our world? I mean, you spend uh, 60 seconds on a, whatever news app you use or news site you go to. Like, how is peace going to come to this? God's saying peace is on earth. You look at your family, you look at your marriage, you're like, how in the world? How is peace? And God is showing us in his word, peace is found in 
and Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53, and we're just about done here, shows us exactly how the work of peace of God, when he tells us that the prince of peace was pierced through for our transgressions, the prince of peace was pierced through for our rebellion and crushed for iniquities and the chastisement that was due you and that was due me fell on him for our well-being, our peace, our shalom, his stripes, his scourging, his flesh being ripped from bone was for our healing was for our peace. And just like an olive branch came back to Noah, the Prince of Peace knelt down under an olive tree in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives where Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane under an olive tree offered himself as the olive branch for you and for me. And 700 years after that dove flew to Noah with an olive branch, the Prince of Peace would give his life to make peace, to make shalom possible. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 4. He says, he, this is Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins, because the penalty for sin is death. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Romans 5, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by, by faith, we have what, church? Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. What Paul's talking about is that there was a day when the peacemaker came into the city of peace, Jerusalem, and gave his life on a cross, taking on to himself all of the anti-shalom and the ripple effect of that all of that onto himself so that God could once again offer the shalom of heaven to you and me so that we can flourish and we don't have to deal with the wrath of God and the penalty of sin because those of us who was found in Christ Jesus, it was fully and finally dealt with on the cross of Christ so that we can come to life again, be born again, be a son or daughter, have a new future and a new name and brand new life, all because of the prince of peace. Paul writes about it in the book of Ephesians. He says, remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. He himself is our shalom, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. There's so much in this. This is a very rich passage here. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So the question just really is, as we kind of start our journey through Advent, do you want peace in your life this season? because it's found in Jesus. Do you want peace in your marriage? Jesus needs to be in the center. 
you want peace in your family? You need the supernatural work of, of the Prince of Peace. Because you won't, find, you won't find peace in any other relationship. You won't find peace in anything else you can buy on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Although Giving Tuesday will make you feel better about yourself. But. You can't achieve this peace that God offers on your own. This is what the Christmas story is all about. This is what the angel was announcing. God is wanting you to see peace in the person of Jesus. Not in politics, not in policies, not in economics, not in circumstances, not in any other thing. And we start this Advent season here where the Prince of Peace, in the middle of Pax Romana, this kind of false offer of peace, the real Prince of Peace is born so that you and I can see when, when governments and empires fall or fail, and they always do, you can still have peace and a hope that never does. And this morning, the Prince of Peace is extending a hand of peace to you. A nail-scarred hand of peace is being held out to you this morning. I want to close with one last story um, just to illustrate this, uh, the band's going to come up and we're going to enter into a time of communion now. But in, uh, in 1962, there was a missionary couple from Canada, uh, Don and Carol Richardson, and they went and served in New Guinea, in Western New Guinea, uh, to the Sawi people. Uh, and the, the Sawi people um, were a cannibalistic group, uh, 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 these tribal groups, um, and they praised and prized treachery and treason. Uh, and in fact, when the Richardsons came and shared the story of Jesus and Judas, uh, the, the tribal leaders and those who were in the Sawi tribe all uh, applauded Judas in the story. And Judas was seen as the hero in the story because so often what this, these tribes would do is they would uh, befriend other uh, people, other, other tribes, just to kind of lure them in so they could kill them and then eat them. So that's the kind of people that Don Richardson was dealing with here. Uh, and he just could not break through uh, with, with the gospel. He just could not get people to see who Jesus was. I mean, people who praise Judas in the story and not Jesus. He just could not break through. And uh, at the same time, violence was really escalating uh, between the tribes of the Sawi people, and there was more violence, and there was more murder, and there was more fighting, and it really just became an unsafe place for the Richardson family. And so Don went to these tribal leaders, and he said, listen, we have to leave. Um, we're not making any headway, for one, and, and it's just becoming increasingly dangerous for my family, so we have to leave. Well, the tribal leaders, uh, they really didn't want them to leave because there was a lot of benefit by having these Western workers there with them. There were a lot of things that they were bringing to the tribe that were really helping the people. So, uh, so they took a step because they didn't want this Richardson family to leave. And so one of the tribal leaders uh, took his son. He had a six-month-old son. It was his only son. And he picked him up and he took him um, across to the other village that they were at war with. And he walked over to the other tribal leader and he presented his only son, his six-month son. And that other tribal leader took that man's son. And he took him in as if he was his own. And he had everybody in the village, he said, if you accept 
this offering of peace in this little boy, come and lay your hands on him as a symbol, as a signal that you're accepting this offering of peace. And so one by one, every member of that warring tribe came and placed their hands on this child. And then the leader said, I no longer have my own name. I now take on the name of this child. So my name is now this child's name. And then that leader did the very same thing. He took his only son and took him over to the other tribe and presented him to that leader as an offering of peace. And Don Richardson is watching all of this play out. And he said to the, one of the tribal leaders, he's like, what was all of that? Why did you have to do that? And he said, Don, you have been calling us for years to make peace. But there cannot be peace amongst us if there is no peace child. In our culture, there has to be an offering of peace. And the offering of peace is the peace child. And so every week when we come here uh, to communion, we celebrate the peace child. We celebrate the only son of God, Jesus Christ, who came and lived the perfect life and died the only death that would satisfy the wrath of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, then the body and the blood of Jesus, the bread and the cup, are a tangible reminder um, of what you confess to put your faith and trust in. That you do not have a rightness of your own. You do not have a, a peace that's achievable on your own. You cannot make peace with God on your own through any activity or anything that you might do. It's only available because of what Jesus Christ alone has done on your behalf. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian here this morning and you take the bread and you take the cup and you remember and you celebrate the peace child and you remember the new name that you have in heaven because of him. So if you're a Christian, we just invite you to eat and to drink. If, if you'd say, well, that's not really my confession. That doesn't really describe who I am. I would not say that I'm a follower of Jesus. I would not say that I'm a Christian. Then in this moment, uh, the elements just really wouldn't make a ton of sense for you to take. Uh, but this moment is 100% for you. And if you could be honest, at least honest with yourself and honest before God, you don't have to tell me anything. But if you could say, I am really lacking peace or there's a real absence of peace in my life. In fact, uh, everything just feels like war. Like it feels like war inside and it feels like war outside. And I just really want peace. I just want to give you the space and the freedom and the invitation in this moment to just take that to God. And just in this quiet, simple moment, just cry out to God and say, God, if peace is available in you, that's what I want. And if God's speaking to you right now, I just, I just want to invite you just to listen. 
in the stillness and the quiet of this time just to listen to him, the God who announces peace on earth, wants to bring peace to you and to your world. If you're here uh, this morning and um, you just would really like someone to be praying for you or to pray for you at the close of the service, I'm just going to be right down here up front. And if there's areas in your life where you're like, I just need God's peace in this area of my life, I'd love to be able to pray with you. Let me, let me pray and uh, we'll, we'll stand and we'll celebrate what God has done on our behalf. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for your promise of peace. And God, thank you for all that you have done to make that peace possible. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your death. We thank you for your resurrection. And we thank you for your promise to take us, to be with you forever, to bring shalom fully and finally under your living and gracious rule and reign. God, we sing now in this day towards that day because of you and because what you have done. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.